Well, hello there, and welcome to the Speak Up with Laura Camacho podcast. And today, as usual, I have a super duper special guest. This is the day that we're going to hear from Fred Joyle, and he is from Los Angeles, but he happens to be in Manhattan right now, if that makes any difference. We're talking at 7.30 in the morning in Los Angeles time. I was a little concerned, but he's on the East Coast with us, I think most people here on the East Coast that are listening, not that it matters, but Fred Joyle wrote this book that you're going to love. It's called Super Bold, From Underconfident to Charismatic in 90 Days. So I know a lot of you would love to know how to be super bold because I know your stories about, you know, oh, Laura, I don't like to talk about myself. Oh, Laura. I'm not good at promoting myself. Oh, Laura, I don't, you know, feel like I can speak in this meeting with the president because I'm not a total expert on what they're talking about. I know you. So I know that this interview is going to be super helpful and we're going to learn how to be super bold, not just bold. And well, welcome to the podcast, Fred. Thank you very much, Laura. I'm excited to talk to your audience. Good. Me too. So tell us. You know, you were not always super bold yourself, right? Tell us a little bit of your story. I I know we we want to learn, like, how did that happen? So I was painfully shy growing up. I was a total introvert. I couldn't make a phone call. I couldn't ask a girl on a date or even to dance at a dance or any of that stuff. And and I would see bold people and I would say, why are they like this? They must be born this way. And then, but I started to observe how they went through life and I started to emulate it. And over several years, and I'm actually decades, I'm embarrassed to say, it took me all this time to, to move into more and more confidence and boldness because I had bold moments, but I couldn't replicate them. And I knew that good things happened when I was bold, but it was like, that, you know, what I say all the time is that hesitation is the opportunity killer. When you reflect, that's what motivated me is the missed opportunities, the regrets over when I didn't speak up, when I didn't step up, when I didn't act. And so I figured out how to do it. I, I'm at a point now where I can walk on stage 5,000 people and I can't wait to get on stage. And I'll make mistakes and I'll, you know, they'll laugh at me and and I'll go right in the flow with it. I, you know, I don't decide to be embarrassed. That's another thing I talk about is being embarrassed is actually a choice. It's you don't have to be embarrassed. You have decided to feel that way. You can you can make several choices instead of being embarrassed. I could walk on stage with my fly down and really be embarrassed. Or I could say, you know, this is my mom tried to get me to stop to remember to do this, but I just keep forgetting, you know. (laughs) Yes, it it is hard. Speaking as a mom of a son, it is hard for young men when they're boys to get that message across. So you are not alone and your mom was not alone in that. And I, I love that you're saying about the moments, because this is like a typical story that I hear that the person who is super conscientious, deep knowledge domain of domain, deep knowledge of her or his domain, but not 
So, so as long as the conversation is about something that the person knows up and down, backwards and forwards, because again, they're highly conscientious, they have those moments of boldness, but then we get out of, you know, talking about future strategies or uh, p- possibilities of which the person is not the total master of that domain and that lack of they, they get their confidence from knowing everything. And they assume that the bold people likewise are just masters of the domain. And that's not true, right? No, it's just, I mean, there are people that they didn't have their boldness suppressed in childhood. Okay. We were told not to talk to strangers. We were told to speak when spoken to. We were all, all of this stuff. And sometimes we were forced into situations where we felt shy and, and somebody went, just relax, just don't be shy. It's like, that doesn't help. No, right? it doesn't, like, and that's, it doesn't. that's one of the things. It's like, this book is not, don't be shy, right? Mm-hmm, it's, it mm-hmm. is a systematic way to expand your comfort zone. Because the idea is to be able to move into your discomfort zone, but not so deep that you become uh, tongue-tied and underconfident and anxious and, and fail at communicating. All right. So, so, okay. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I want to, I want to get, I'm too curious. I want to know <laughs> like why, why some people who are bold are obnoxious, Fred, you cannot deny that. They think they know everything. They're the ones that talk over people. And a lot of times clients that I talk to, they're afraid that if they become super bold, they're going to become, you know, this annoying person that they, that comes to mind as super bold and super outspoken. So, yeah. What, how do you define bold? Like, what does that mean? And, and Okay, so so this, this is an important distinction because that's the, a lot of people say, I don't want to be bold because bold people are obnoxious, they're show-offs, whatever. Exactly. The reality is, yeah, it's just like people are jerks, right? Mm-hmm. And greedy a-holes, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever. No, they were jerks when they were broke and <laughs> they just got a lot of money. I know billionaires who are some of the nicest people in the world kind, friendly, considerate, generous, not greedy at all. They just happen to fall into something really successful. It's the same thing with boldness. I'm, I, I, people think I am extremely bold. I'm, I'm a bold introvert, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, love I, that. I have taught myself to summon my boldness whenever I want it. And that's what you were talking about. People have an area where they're comfortable, their confidence zone, and they're perfectly comfortable and bold in that situation. As soon as they move out of it, they're done for. And that's what I'm trying to help people to do is like, I want it. I want you super bold is your ability to summon your boldness whenever you want, whatever the situation, because what happens is we fail when it matters most. Right. Oh my gosh. When when we want to meet that, that person, we want, you know, it's like, I really want to talk to that executive at this party, but you know, he's a, you know, senior vice president and I'm junior manager. I can't go talk to him when, when in reality, he's just a person. Right. right? Well, they they think (laughs) that they're wasting the person's time, you know, the person of higher status in that hierarchy. So what would you say if someone says, you know, Fred, I really want to, you know, reach out to this person, but I don't want to waste his time or her time. Then don't waste their time. Be interesting. <laughs> be in- I love it. <laughs> be interested in them. Don't just like if you were meeting a celebrity, don't just go 
drool on them and like, uh, can I get an autograph and like, can I get a selfie with you? It's like, be a human being. You know, I've met really famous people. I, I, I saw Tom Hanks and his wife waiting to pick up some food in this restaurant in Santa Monica. And I went over and I just said, this was back when he was producing from the earth to the moon. And I said, Tom, I got to just tell you, I'm so enjoying this, this series from the earth to the moon that, that you're, that you're doing. He goes, I really appreciate you saying that. He says, it was such a labor of love for us. And we, and we talked for five minutes about that. But I focused on a compliment, you know, to somebody. Not, I'm a fan. It's like, he's got millions of fans. He's a right. famous actor. But, but so, thing that bold people don't do is they are not the one to stop themselves. The rest of us, we come up with two or three or 200 reasons why we shouldn't talk to that person, why they wouldn't want to talk to us. And the reality is that we're really good at coming up with the bad interpretation, what's going to go wrong, but we're really terrible at calculating the percentage of chance that that's actually going to happen. We think it's like 98% and it's actually 1%, right? Bold people never stop themselves. They wait till somebody else stops them and then they, they, it bounces off them. They go, Oh, all right. They, cause they were expecting to get as far as possible. Sometimes they don't, but it doesn't stop them. They go, that person will certainly be interested in meeting me. Right. Because That's, I have something interesting to say, or I'm just going to, I'm interested in them. I mean, oh, I, okay. I, okay. I, you know, it's, it's two ways. You could say something that you, you could, you, you can establish a connection with anybody in no time, just by being attentive to them, not babbling like, like this is what we do when we finally get somebody to talk to us, we monologue, right? When underconfident people finally get somebody to listen, we go on a blue streak, 10 minutes straight, unbroken. And when you catch yourself, this is what I'm, one of the exercises uh -huh. I'm teaching. It's like, when you catch yourself monologuing, stop immediately and just say, I'm really excited about this topic, but I really wanted to know about your trip to Everest. They immediately ask them a question and then they go, oh, okay. So he's actually going to stop talking. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. That's, I, that's so true that some people don't know when to stop because they're just, they don't have enough practice of just that. Yeah. They, they, they finally got somebody to, because we all want to enter we're all social. I don't care what you say about you being an introvert. It's like, I love being alone. It's like, hey, I love being alone too, but I want it to be a choice. Not right. the world chose to leave <laughs> me alone. So, and, you know, because, and, and this is the big thing is there will be times, the reason you develop this super boldness skill is there will be moments in your life that will come and go. And if you haven't acted, if you haven't spoken up, stepped up, and it could be defending somebody who's being bullied, it could be asking for that promotion or that raise and you hesitate and then somebody else gets it because they spoke up. They talked about what they achieved in the business and they got the promotion and you went, Oh, I wanted to talk to the boss about that, but I didn't think he was interested in talking to me. She, you know, or they're, no, no, they're waiting for the perfect moment too. like, Oh, right. I'm oh yeah. Do it. You know, this, or I'm, asked, when I'm ready. I, if he would only ask me if I wanted a promotion, I would be happy to tell him why it's like, no, yes. that's, but you know, uh, or, uh, 
one of your parents passes away or or one of your good friends and you say i'm not good at public speaking and you don't give a eulogy to that person oh, yeah. you will get one chance to do that and you will look back and go i wish i had said something nobody cares if you cry or get choked up or anything like that this is you know this is a you know a a funeral this is a a ceremony right. honoring this person you're going to want to get up and say something in fact be the first one to get up because then what happens is everybody else goes that's i want to say something and and so why not be that person that starts the the floodgate of reflection and appreciation oh that's great i i, I think that being the first one i learned that in my online studies that if you're the first one to speak, then the bar is low. And every the longer you wait to speak up, the bar keeps getting higher. So if you jump <laughs> in first, you yeah. can say Sud- like... Suddenly the naturally funny guy speaks and you go, oh man, I got to follow him or her. Yes. You know? like, um, yeah, Ex- exactly. The bar is low, right? Yeah, you, you're, you set the bar. And, and, right. Uh, but every time you do this, this is the other fascinating thing about it is when you act boldly, you build new neural pathways because we have shy neural pathways, the the neural pathways that say, watch out, danger, because the brain sees danger being eaten by a saber-toothed tiger the same way as it sees embarrassment, runs the same chemicals through our body, right? We, we, We get tense, we stop breathing, we got all of this stuff going on that's fight or flight which limits our cognitive abilities and our memory. That's why people go like, I got up on stage. I couldn't remember what I was going to say. It's like, yeah, because you went into fight or flight. Right, right, right. So you're saying that boldness, the super boldness is a skill that you can develop just like learning how to swim or kickbox or cook. And you do it with, uh, the book is full of exercises that start at a very, very basic level and move you up and up and up to expand your boldness skills and your boldness muscle and widen your comfort zone okay uh, so, so what's the first like for like the, just tell us I, we're, I know people listening are gonna rush and get this book because i know these i know i know <laughs> i know who you are the people out there i know you <laughs> so um but just give us like one thing that the person listening to this conversation can you know when they get to the office or when they get you know, when they face their day after hearing this, what's one thing that a person can do to start that journey of becoming a bolder person? Uh, I, it's it's the opposite of what your parents told you. Talk to strangers. Talk oh to a stranger, gosh. a complete stranger every day, <laughs> expecting it to fail. Okay. Expecting zero that you're, you're aiming for failure. You're, you, you've set the goal as zero response. You, you can do what I call a drive-by compliment, right? Because when you do that, when you say to somebody like uh, that handbag looks so great with that jacket, and then you move on, you've, they you have no agenda and they go oh thank you so much right you're not trying to get them to buy you coffee or not you know right, or, or right, right. you know get their phone number or some crazy thing like that you're you're doing a a, a, a total act of generosity i'm going to tell you and I, I i believe me i've told people like i saw this I, this woman was in, in front of me in starbucks and i just said 
you know, your hair is just so incredibly beautiful. Now it was ridiculously beautiful. Right. Uh And her response was like, she had hideous hair and somebody finally said something nice to her. It was like, (laughs) Oh, Oh, thank you so much. You, you would think she would I know I have great hair. I've had great <laughs> hair all my life. Buzz off. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but it's, you know, when you do that without an agenda, it's incredibly powerful and you're, and it builds the muscle because you've, you've done this pure act of generosity in communication. Oh and, my gosh. Okay. Go on. And then I want to say something. And, and you get to watch the effect. And then, and then you just, you get good at it and you, and you just want to do it again. And also if they don't respond positively, you you let it go. You go like, I I mean, I've had, I've said stuff to people and they've like, they've brushed me off and I, and I go, I, I don't, I'm not going to take that on. I have no idea. This could be the worst day of their life. They could have just been fired. They could have just gotten divorced. Their blood sugar could have plummeted. None of those things am I aware of. So it's not me. All right. right. It's just it's right. them. And I go like, all right, I, I took a swing at it, but I wasn't at being friendly or courteous or or helpful or complimentary. But it's okay. It, I don't have to do it. Okay. So what right. did you want to say? Yeah, I wanted to say, well, first of all, I think that's really good to to set it up like you, the person that you give this compliment to might not respond favorably. I hadn't thought about that. So I'm glad you mentioned that. But when you said, uh, you know, oh, just go talk to strangers. It was like somebody hit me in the stomach. I was like, oh, no, not that. Anything but not that. <laughs> but then but then the drive-by compliment. And then I remembered, and this was this shows how positive a drive-by compliment can be. It This was an August. And I remember because it was right before a, a workshop I gave in person. And there's, I haven't had very many in-person workshops this year, but I was at the grocery store. I was at Whole Foods and the woman, this woman just told me that my outfit was really cute. Like it looked really nice. And I was completely blown away. So I made sure that I wore that outfit to the training and, and here we are in, in practically the end of the year. And I still remember it. And I had, you know, just brought it, you just brought it to my consciousness. So I think that that's a wonderful suggestion uh, for not only building your boldness muscles or skill, but, you know, like helping the world to be a better, kinder place, right? Yeah. Well, I call it being the voice of upliftment. I mean, why why wouldn't you want to? make everyone you meet feel a little bit better about themselves. And right. that's why that's the difference between this obnoxious, bold person that people right. have envisioned. Right. Right. And, and, and really great people. Like I, I've met Sir Richard Branson and, and, and had a few conversations with him and it's, it, it's shocking. He's how interested he is in you. Right. Really? He's, okay. He starts interrogating you. Know, tell me, tell me, okay, how did you get this business started? That's a really interesting. Okay. So when did you, what was the biggest struggle? He's like, he's just diving right in. And he, and he just said like, uh, you know, that's a really terrific accomplishment. And, uh, you know, a billionaire telling you that my, my business, which was, you know, one hundredth of his, his, right, you know, right. like, but, but 
the power of something like that. Be, that's the kind of bold person you want to be, and and that's the, that's who's going to change the world. That's that's who's who's going to make a difference because it takes boldness to start a business. It takes boldness right. to to cold call. I mean, I had to beat to start my business. I had to beat the streets. I had to go door to door. My partner and I had to go door to door for six months to find our first eighteen customers. Um, and you want to talk about rejection? It was, we might as well have been auditioning for a movie. It was you know <laughs> the amount of rejection, but you you can't you can't take it on. You know, it's almost like we should all we should all go. That's one of the exercises in the book. Mm-hmm. Actually, is to go audition for a for a part in a movie. You know, a, a non union movie. Because you're gonna, you're not gonna get it, right? Right, uh, right, right, right. right. <laughs> but and you know it, so you're gonna expect it. But if you do it, you go like, "I'm gonna try this," and they go, "Sorry, you're not right for this part." And in the brain, you go, "Yeah, I agree." <laughs> but, but you went through the whole exercise with the expectation of failure. But you went, you you stepped up and did it. Yes, and, uh, very and, cool. And, and you walk out going, "I, I took a swing." You know, and I wasn't I, I don't want this part anyway. Right. That's like it's when you set it up to be harmless. Right. And, you, the, and the adjustment that I want people to make is to become fearless of the harmless. They've ascribed all of this harm mm-hmm. that is not real. They've just, you know, nothing is good or bad except if man makes it so, right? Mm-hmm. As Shakespeare said, if we say that, oh, that was really bad, that was really embarrassing, I'm, I, you know, that really hurt, then it really hurt. Right. Well, but what you're, what you're teaching, though, what you're telling me is taking steps to take risks. Like these are all calculated risks that really have a low downside, but there is a downside. And I think maybe that's like, that has all well, kinds of payoff, right? Yeah. Well, and and again, it's it's figuring out that what bold people know is is that ninety nine percent of the time, nothing bad happens, okay. right? Um, and so the 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 book is full of exercises where you figure out, wow, nothing bad. I I could have told myself something bad is going to happen. The example I use is like when you see an employees only sign, mm-hmm. go in. Okay. Nothing bad will happen. No one's going to beat you to death on the other side. No one's going to arrest you. Nine times out of 10, they're not even going to say anything. Right. They assume, you know, the, my goal for anyone that I coach is I want them to, to feel like they belong everywhere. Imagine I if, if you that. did that. Just And just tell yourself, I belong everywhere. Because there's no reason so why good. you shouldn't. I mean, right. you could be meeting a president, but you, and clearly somehow you're meeting that president. You belong there. Exactly. You, you as a human being have a right to interact with another human being. Now they may not be interested in interacting with you. But nothing bad happens, right? right. Nobody, you didn't get pushed down a flight of stairs. They were just busy, <laughs> right? Right. So, so right, stop right. stop expanding the negativity that is actually harmless. Right. right. So can you tell us, a, I mean, tell us a story from your book or from your client experience about how being bold changed somebody's life? Because I can imagine that that happens. I mean, when you take risks, well, I'll just give an example from my own life. I learned learning. I speak a few foreign languages and to do that, you have to make a fool of yourself. I mean, to really speak it well, you have to make a fool of yourself. Not once, but many, 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 many times. So I guess that was my school of 
boldness was uh, even when I lived in Germany, I went to the grocery store, recently arrived, eight months pregnant, went to the nearby grocery store and the, they didn't have, you know, the chicken, the meats, you had to ask for it like a butcher shop. It wasn't just like pick it up. And I couldn't remember the word for chicken. So I went bop, 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 bop <laughs> and zwei kilo or something. And, and I, the, the, the thing that the risk was that they didn't laugh. Like they just like, oh, okay, right. here's your chicken. Great. Or <laughs> you like, like perfectly good way to ask. And then, you know, like <laughs> next. <laughs> it was exactly like that. And I was like, okay. So so that I mean, but you literally cannot learn another. And that's what a lot of people don't learn languages because they're waiting till they speak it perfectly. Yeah. Well, I can give you it is in some ways it's a it's about bold communication. There was a, a man who was uh, who was like a second father to me. And, you know, I became friends with him and he was like a, a mentor to me as well. I we never thought about it that way. But when he, he was finally in a nursing home and I thought, you know what, I'm going to instead of you having him pass away and I'm going to eulogize him. Uh-huh. I wrote what I would be saying in about our friendship, our lifelong friendship. And, I, you know. And I said, I want him to hear that. I want him to hear this. I want him to know this. So I wrote it and I gave it to him. His daughter laminated it. And he, she said he read it every day. Oh my gosh. That is so And beautiful. so that was so gratifying because that's the other thing where we hesitate to speak. We hesitate to say what needs to be said. And we don't get another chance. A, a eulogy is a chance to tell other people how you felt. How about making sure that nobody goes out of your life in one form or other without with something being unsaid that you wanted to right. say. So you wrote wanted this, to express. You wrote it and sent it to him, or you read yeah. it to him out loud. No, I, I I mailed it to him, and then of course every time I saw him, he was like. You know, that that's such a wonderful thing. You know, and he says, you know, uh, he says, I to me, it was just friendship. I never, you know, I never saw it as anything other, but this great conversation just keeps going on. That's the way we looked right. at it. Right. But, is... but he was, you know, this was, the, he was stra- stuck in a nursing home. He was, mm-hmm. this was not a f- fun ending for him. Right, but, right, but, right. And so there are times when, when you want to step up I mean, when you, you, you st- and when you want to st- stand up to somebody or stand up for somebody, you see somebody make a sarcastic remark or ethnic joke or something like that. Mm-hmm, and just like, mm-hmm. you just call them aside and say, you know, there's a whole bunch of people that that makes really uncomfortable. That may have been right. funny in, in the seventies, you know, right, when you first right. heard it, but right. uh, you gotta, you gotta lay that off. You gotta, you gotta become aware. You gotta get a little more conscious. You gotta be able to say that stuff to people. One, because they need to know. Mm-hmm. And you need to know if that's somebody you just don't want to associate with. And he goes, ah, they're just oversensitive. It's like, good. Thanks for letting me know that I could move yeah. you to the outer, outer ring of, of <laughs> just, people yeah. in my life. Yes. Know? I love that so. because it's being bold. It's not just about you. You know, I, I'm always telling people that, about how other people are looking up to them. And so when, when a 
you know, somewhat shy or introverted person starts speaking up, there are people that you're not even aware of that are watching you and they're saying, oh, well, if Laura could speak up, I can too. And also to, to speak up for those who are not, you know, who are behind you on the boldness scale, like help them stand up, speak for that, speak for those who have no voice or a quieter voice. Well, it, it, it be an inspiration. Say, I, I know that she's not comfortable speaking, but look at her. Look at her. She's doing this presentation and she's, you know, she's stumbling at some places and laughing at herself because, you know, right. the wrong slide came up and stuff like that. And eventually I always find if I make a mistake on stage and this, I coach speakers all the time and mm -hmm. I'll say, when you make a mistake, embrace it. And, be, oh, and just that. because all of a sudden you become human to the audience. You have you have trouble pronouncing a word and you you go, you say, I'm going to give it one more try. And then somebody's got to say it for me. Right. And then somebody in the audience will say it. And and you'll go, thank you. That that was extremely helpful. I have trouble with certain words. And, uh, you know, and the whole audience goes, oh, he's a human being. And now they're in. You're suddenly one of them instead of you've changed it from above and below to on the same right. plane and now they're way more receptive to what you have to say yes um, I, I love that yeah. i have another example that i haven't ever shared i don't think when my son made it to eagle scout which was like a very hard journey for me the mom <laughs> and i was just <laughs> gonna thank everybody that you know helped because you know they have a this deadline like their 18th birthday i think and I just started, I mean, I lost it. I totally lost it. And I got through my talk, but it was not, you know, a moment of uh, rhetorical uh, excellence, perhaps, but I said what I needed to say and everybody there knew I was not faking it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I lived through it. That was a long time ago. But yeah, embracing the mistake. I hadn't thought about it that way, but that's a great way to humanize yourself. and people. Don't you agree that sometimes people are, are seeking to be perfect on stage and nobody wants perfect? It's like, that's not even, that's boring, right? It's, yeah, it's unappealing, actually, in unappealing. many ways. And and it's, again, it puts them on a different plane as you and we, and as speakers, we're all like desperate to do it exactly, you know, perfectly. Right. And you don't have to. One, they don't know if you made a mistake. Right, the only, you're the only it, one right. who knows, right? That I, I missed that slide completely, and I, and I missed that point I wanted to make completely. They don't know that. Right. You're beating yourself up over nothing. You're just like, one of my favorite things to do when I'm speaking is like somebody will ask me something, and I'll go off on a tangent, and then I'll go, "All right, I have no idea where I was." <laughs> so somebody's gotta, somebody's gotta rewind and tell me where I was before I answered it, and they're somebody knows somebody right? knows exactly yeah. exactly go, that oh, happens it, of course yeah yeah because yeah. you'll you'll forget you know like in if you're really connecting to the audience you're much more focused on what they want to hear than what you want to say right so they'll derail you completely from your main presentation and eventually you go like i need to get it back literally on the tracks somehow right. but i don't know where the heck i am anymore i don't know <laughs> if i well, well you stopped me in mid-sentence and i i answered you and so but all of that stuff, they just now they're in, they're pulled in. All we mm -hmm. do so much stuff that we think is impressing people. That's mm -hmm. like the dumbest thing to try to do is impress people, you know. I'm so and glad actually, you said that. yeah, the, one of the things I I talk about in the book is 
what not to do. Tell tell us some of the things. So so monologuing is one of those things. <laughs> the other one is is playing top this right. Ah, um, yes. Right. And so, so somebody says, I just went to Italy and it was wonderful. And you say, I went to Italy and I was in Rome and I saw the Rolling Stones. And it's like, <laughs> uh, you know, you haven't even let them instead of going, really, what was the most interesting part of Italy? That's what makes you interesting. Not right. that you saw the Rolling Stones in Rome and they didn't. Right, right. right, but, right. Because it's nowhere to go. When you play top lit this, eventually somebody comes out and says, well, I climbed Everest. Right. And it's okay. It's game over. Right. It's like, <laughs> right. I got nothing. I got nothing. I, I, I rode my bike today, you know, uh, <laughs> right. that, yeah. so that's it. And trying to be funny, especially early on in a conversation. Some people feel like, though, the best way to, to initiate a conversation is come in with something really funny. The key word is trying. Some people mm -hmm. are really funny. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to be funny, you're doomed. Right. right. You're not right, you're right. not going to pull it off. Right. And also, it, there's an element of top this to being funny early on, because now they go, I got to be as clever as you. Right. Don't be so clever. OK, right. give them room to be. And then if somebody says something mildly funny, you go, that is really funny. I'm stealing that. They feel great about like, oh, I, I guess that was pretty funny. It was mildly funny. But why not make them feel great? And obviously interrupting people or correcting people. There's, this uh, is another element. Like you don't have to, just because they don't know something and you do, you don't have to fix it. You don't have to fix I their grammar. Don't, you don't have to fix yeah. their facts. You don't have to do any of that stuff. Right. It's not one. It's not going to make, it's not going to impress anybody. It's just going to make them uncomfortable that you couldn't resist pointing out that they were wrong. You know, yep. half the time I'll, I'll use them in a conversation. I'll go like the capital of North Dakota. I know this. I've been there. It's like, I, but I can't remember. It's like a French thing. I can't, I know what it is. Right. right. But let right. the other person jump in and go, it's Pierre. Oh, okay. okay. And, and and they go, now they feel great, right? right now I've, right. I've given them a chance to, to play Jeopardy and win, right? right instead right. of being the know-it-all, like the, uh, instead of correcting people, let them offer or give them a chance to know something. It's the complete that. reverse of being a know-it-all. Because uh, how many know-it-alls do, do people go like, let's invite her to the party right like because <laughs> she will straighten all of us out because we have many misconceptions that she can fix right it's like that's not <laughs> what happens and we get <laughs> that's too funny yeah but this is this is what people do they can't resist they, they that's where their confidence comes from is knowing everything right right exactly um, exactly yeah and it's and, not uh, people don't yeah. necessarily want i learned that I, as a young young i'll person that people don't want their grammar corrected who knew right you know? yeah. <laughs> it never yeah. never pays off so, <laughs> so I, I i only took a couple times i got that lesson yeah that don't make they can get totally confused between lay down and lie down it's perfectly fine <laughs> right and and also don't do it if you're going to do it don't do it publicly like a, a friend of mine she used the expression nip it in the butt and I went like, no, it's it's nip it in the bud. But I didn't like just let it fly. Right, just, right. And I went right. like, just and she goes, nip it in the bud. That doesn't make any sense. I went, 
No, nip it in the butt doesn't make any <laughs> sense. <laughs> okay. it, to you, it does, but it doesn't mean what you think it means, right? right Biting right, something right. on the butt is not what is not what the analogy is for, you know? Right. But, that's that's what yeah, I, I enjoy so much of my husband and have many friends for whom English is a second language. And I love their creative takes on things like oat milk instead of oatmeal <laughs> and all kinds of funny things that you, I just find my endless amusement in hearing those kinds of things. And I've learned not to correct them and even family members, unless I can see that it would somehow cause them harm in a future situation if they get it wrong. But anyway, but uh, Fred, this has been so fun, so invigorating. And I, I'm just feeling so bold. I appreciate your approach on it's not just for you. It's to, it's in service, right? It, it, your boldness can be a service to other people and, and not just yourself. Is how can people get in touch with you? Or I know your your book. Let me give the title again in case anybody missed it. It's super bold from underconfident to charismatic in 90 days. And what I love about it is that it's practical. It's not about theories of courageousness. It's full of exercises to little by little train yourself to be more bold and take more risk and turn out being more confident. So just tell us, Fred, anything else about getting your book or anything you would like to share with our audience? So the book is available in digital form as well as hardcover. You can buy it on Amazon. There's a, it's me reading the audio book. There are exercises and there is some journaling to do. It's a book about doing stuff. And it's not something you read and go, oh, that was a terrific read. I want you to be boldness is confidence in action. This book is about taking action. So if you get the digital version, you can go to my website, fredjoyle.com, download the exercises in PDF and download all the journal entries. So you can still have a physical form to it even if you're listening to the audio book or reading the Kindle, which is what the majority of people are doing. But this is, this is something you want to be, to have physically to work with because you're going to click off the exercises and build yourself up. And wherever you are, you're going to move your, I say 90 days. If you did something every day towards boldness, you would be astounded where you are in 90 days. I can't wait to start myself because yeah. I consider myself pretty bold, but I'm ready to become super bold. And well, and I, I have tons of friends who go who read this. It's like at every age. I mean, obviously, I, this is everything I wish I knew at 20 or 30. Right. Right? right. But some of these I have friends at 70 years old and 16 year olds both telling me. I'm so glad I'm reading this. I, I had a friend of mine who's, you know, he's very successful. And he went. I thought I was pretty bold till I'm reading this book. He says, I got all sorts of stuff I'm going to change. Um, uh, that like, is great. So wherever awesome. you are, take yourself to more because this is how you chase your dreams. Is, exactly. You know, because all of a sudden, you know, as I say, you know, we're all in the game, but we don't know how long the coach is going to let us play. Right. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> so we got to, we got to, we got to, we got to play full out. Exactly. So. Well, this has been so rewarding. And this, um, as when you hear this, probably it's going to be near the end of 2021. So I invite you all to get crackalackin' on these exercises so that in 2022, you can, you know, reach 
We can go running into the challenges that are waiting for us in 2022 because, you know, you solve one problem and you only get a bigger one. That's how that's the nature of life. And I appreciate Fred sharing our, his tips on being bold. Uh, and remember that being bold, it's not just about you. It's about being the example. It's about inspiring people. It's about speaking for people who are having even more trouble than you may be having. And I will catch you on the next episode of the Speak Up podcast. Have a good day. Bye-bye.